0: park that I am lucky to live next to has never been more busy than during the pandemic. People with children often unable to go to school, living in small flats and no gardens, have been desperate to get out.
1: Something that was a problem even before Covid hit. 75% or 80% of young people spend less than an hour a day outdoors a day. So if you think about it, prisoners do spend an hour outside a day compulsorily. That's something that for me we're just failing
0: But getting out can mean getting on. Access to the wide outdoors and testing himself against nature helped one young man find himself.
2: Getting to the top of that mountain and just looking down and actually realising how far we have come. Not just in terms of how far we climbed, but just also as a team and how much we'd supported each other.
0: Joshua is realising his potential and gives credit to the lakes, rivers, mountaintops and moorlands of Britain. So how does that transformation happen?
1: In the short space of four weeks at an outward-bound school, a young person is given the maximum opportunity for developing his whole self.
0: You're listening to Stories of Our Times, from the Times and the Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, Joshua's story, Climbing the Mountaintop.
2: I'm in my final year at Cambridge, uh, third year studying human, social and political sciences, specialising in politics and international relations. I was actually born in Dublin. We lived there for a little while and then I moved over. When I was pretty young, I think about three or four perhaps. Raised in south-east London.
0: I'm talking to Joshua Adeyemi, who grew up about as far as you can get from fields and farmland.
2: In between Kennington and Camberwell, on a council estate. I went to a primary school in North Brixton.
0: Were you a confident boy?
2: I would say so, with a hint of cheek. It's quite funny because I avoided getting in a bit of trouble here and there just because I was able to sort of talk my way out of things, apologise at the right time and de-escalate the situation, often with a bit of humour. That sort of helped quite a lot in terms of just avoiding certain situations, I suppose.
0: That was very much an inner-city existence, but your primary school, they did take you on trips, didn't they?
2: When I was in year... I went on my first Outward Bound trip. It was great because I feel like Outward Bound was fun and super, super challenging and getting you out of your comfort zone and that kind of stuff.
0: The organisation Joshua is referring to, Outward Bound, is one of the charities being supported by this year's Times and Sunday Times Christmas Appeal. It helps young people from all backgrounds to challenge themselves in the wilds of Britain.
2: The closest I got to the countryside was the park in front of my flat.
0: Had you ever actually seen a cow before?
2: Probably on journeys, probably driving through the motorways and stuff like that. But I remember on Outward Bound, um, (laughs) I got closer to a cow than I perhaps have ever wanted in terms of walking (laughs) through a field of them and just being really, really petrified that we were going to get chased. (laughs) There was a bit of a close call, but thankfully they backed off. So we lived to tell the tale, I suppose.
0: You survived your first encounter with a cow. So those were relatively short trips. But nevertheless, would you say that kind of gave you an appetite for getting out there?
2: 100%. You know, it's always something that I would love to have been exposed to. So I'm just grateful that I had the opportunity as early on as I did. I'd watch sort of things on TV and sort of see these vast amounts of kind of green. I'd always wonder and imagine what it would be like to actually be out there myself. So what is different
0: when you're actually out there in the countryside? What's different about the surroundings and the grass and the trees and the sounds and so on?
2: There was a different level of of freshness that being in the outdoors provided. I remember one instance, right? I just stepped out of my tent and I was just immersed with this burst of fresh air that I don't think I'd ever felt before. And there was just something about that, in a way, sort of felt almost cathartic, right? That's definitely something that you don't necessarily experience walking through a park.
0: And what about the noise and what about the light?
2: When you're used to only hearing the noise of cars and trucks, I think anything different to that is quite a breath of fresh air. Even just the wind and really just being in touch with nature and hearing the drops of the rain on your tent as you try to go to sleep. You get a lot of light pollution uh, living in the city and being in the outdoors for a few days. Again, it's great to be immersed in that kind of environment.
0: Did any of those sounds scare you? I remember taking some kids out, uh, camping ones, and they were sure they could hear tigers.
2: (laughs) I mean, I did hear some odd things here and there, but to be honest, I think knowing the instructors were nearby, there was enough reassurance uh, that, you know, anything that came our way would be able to to sort of be, be dealt with.
0: And actually, there was something approaching Josh around this time. A very unusual opportunity.
2: After my initial Outward Bound experience, I decided to apply for a place at Eton College on a sixth form scholarship. You now, I'd heard about it, funnily enough, through an article in the Times um, of a young man called um, Adam Roble, who had won the scholarship from a very similar school to me. So I decided to essentially just print out some forms and um, apply and didn't really tell anyone about it, didn't really think that much of it, and then maybe a month or so later, i discovered I'd been shortlisted. Six interviews and four tests later I was given a conditional offer and it was reported in the local newspaper and unbeknownst to me it was picked up by my former primary school head teacher. She thought it'd be a great opportunity for me to go on one of the more extended Outward Bound courses to prepare me for the Eton experience.
0: So in the summer of 2017, Josh was packed off to the Aberdovey Centre on the west coast of Wales, just inside Snowdonia National Park. This would be his base for the next 19 days of adventure and exploration, not just of the land, but of himself.
2: As soon as you arrive, you know you drop all your stuff, get changed into some clothes that you don't mind getting wet in, and literally uh, jog across the road down to the seafront and more or less hold hands and just sort of walk into the sea together and fully submerge. Doing that, as soon as we arrived, definitely set the tone. I'll be honest, I wanted to get out as soon as I got in, but um, (laughs) we were just encouraged to push ourselves, and I stayed in for that extra bit more. Even just doing stuff like that helped develop just that certain level of mental resolve.
0: Joshua's adventure started with that jog and dip from there on, much of it was uphill.
2: Probably the most challenging was when we did our solo expedition. That was really scary because we'd had a practice expedition with our instructors. And then later on in the course, we essentially had to do it on our own, on a different mountain. There was a few scary moments here and there where you know, you're essentially climbing up the side of a mountain. And you look to your left and it's quite a large drop and it's like, oh, it's just the team here. So I think that perhaps is probably the most challenging part.
0: Completely unaided and dependent on their newly acquired skills at cooking, pitching tents and somehow remaining sanitary halfway up a mountain, Josh and his recently formed team of outward bounders embarked on a four-day solo mission
2: without any outside contact. We split into two teams. We took two different routes and more or less it was a race to the top. So we planned our route, we had a map and we sort of learned how to use a compass and learned how to basically um, navigate our way up and don't be wrong, we did get lost a couple of times, but thankfully we were able to figure out where we were and, um, yeah, get back on track.
0: If you could have bottled a moment, just one moment from that trip, do you have any idea what it would have been?
2: Getting to the top of that mountain and just looking down and actually realising how far we'd come, not just in terms of how far we climbed, but just also as a team and how much we'd supported each other. And it was quite a moment, definitely, for us all. And we got a nice selfie picture that I still have somewhere of us at the top of that mountain and, Yeah, it does bring back very fond memories.
0: To understand how completing such outdoor challenges helps young people develop, I caught up with Outward Bound Director of Fundraising, Alan Bolchover.
1: So I actually worked in Middle East affairs when I left university, and I was in that for about 10, 15 years. And then when it came to moving on with my life and trying to work out where to go, I backtracked into my history. And I was part of a youth movement growing up, and I've always been quite interested in outdoorsy stuff. So I thought, I'll work with young people. And that seemed to make sense. I ended up applying for a job at Outward Bound, and I kind of changed careers, and I've been with it ever since. So it was obviously something that you felt had given you quite a lot,
0: was being involved, what, in, in being a bit self-sufficient and a bit adventurous?
1: I just thought it was the space where it took me away from my family environment and gave me some opportunities to grow and shine in a completely different way. When you go off to camps or you go off to activities, it would be an opportunity where you could explore yourself and learn some other skills that weren't just about school and academics or family. I personally grew a lot through that. So when I was looking back at what were the positive things in my life when i went back into my youth i thought those kind of things were really transformational for me
0: and i bet you got the job by speaking just like you've just spoken to me didn't you
1: well probably that and i was able to raise money which probably <laughs> helped but the uh, <laughs> or i was confident <laughs> enough to go to people and say will you give us some money and be rejected by it but uh, yeah i mean i think it, it's, a, it's a mix of the two
0: now as director of fundraising You obviously have to spend an awful lot of your time writing letters, phoning people up, concocting emails, um, arranging meetings, being in offices. How often do you actually get to do stuff in the centre themselves?
1: As part of the ethos, once a year you have to do a kind of outward bound course type activity. You get to immerse yourself as much as you can in the product. In fact, the first ever senior management team meeting I ever had, they said, oh, it's going to take place at Rutherford Lodge. And in my head was this kind of glamorous South African lodge overlooking a lake where we'd have people service food and drink. And it, it's a stone bothy on a mountain with no <laughs> heating. And, so. and We were there for 24 hours and we had like meetings there with head torches and we slept on slats. And I mean, it was a real outward bound adventure. I mean, my wife was completely shocked when I came back and told her. But I mean, it's kind of part of the ethos. And over time, it's what makes you love it.
0: Tell us a bit about the history, who got Outward Bound together first and and what the ideas were.
1: Kurt Hard was the founder of the the concept of Outward Bound and he was a German teacher, uh, Jewish teacher, when Hitler came to power He was openly critical of the regime, and actually Ramsey MacDonald, who was the British Prime Minister at the time, or or was like before then, appealed for clemency, and and Kurt Hahn came back to live in Britain. He founded Gordonstoun, which is a famous kind of public school up in Scotland, which Prince Philip went to. That's why Prince Philip became very involved in Outward Bound. But Hahn believed in one clear fundamental. In the short space of four weeks at an Outward Bound school, a young person is given the maximum opportunity for developing his whole self. The ultimate thing was to see the result of your own actions and see that it was all worth it. To work as a team, overcome obstacles, learn to see if you can work hard, show resilience, all that kind of stuff, and move forward. And what you get out is what you put in. He believed that young people have an innate decency about them and a moral compass. And it's only when they go out into society as an adult that they become corrupted by age. And I think I look back at my life and I kind of think you probably had a point there.
0: (laughs) That's really interesting. So it tries to connect the individual with the result of their efforts.
1: What we hope to teach is that you face up to your fears and confront them and deal with them rather than run away from them. And ultimately, that's the key lesson. You will come across adversity in life, and it's then what you do when you come across it that sets you apart. You might have called it character 20 years ago.
0: Now, tell us about the importance of the Aberdovey site that uh, Joshua spent uh, some time at.
1: is in Wales. I mean, it's about as far away from London as you can get. It's a very beautiful part of the world. Just, yeah, Snowdonia near Idris. The mountain, and it's on the River De Estuary. It was founded in 1941, which is obviously during the war. And at that time, the Battle of the Atlantic was being fought and being lost. The the Merchant Navy and the Royal Navy were finding that seamen were really struggling with the conditions. So, an out school was founded with the idea that they would build the resilience of some of these conscripted young lads, basically and build them up to prepare them for what lay in store. And they found that it significantly increased their ability to cope with the conditions.
0: After the war, Outward Bound became a charitable organisation working with young people. And while it was no longer preparing them for battle, it still hoped to prepare people from all backgrounds to build resilience.
1: If you and I, David, went on a five-day adventure next week, in the middle of December, camping out in Cumbria, Right. I mean, we'd be talking about it for years to come because it'd be quite a transformational and quite a difficult experience. But we work with people from all walks of life. Some of the elite schools in the country, they will use Outward Bound as part of their leadership thing. But we also build a big fund of money that we offer to young people, basically from places that would never, probably they never even leave their own postcode, never mind go to one of those kind of dramatic places. So we're really trying to get young people and take them to an experience that they would never, ever imagine of having.
0: Coming up, the Duke saves the day, but first.
1: This is Stig Abel and Asma Mir. We present The Breakfast Programme on Times Radio every Monday to Thursday from six o'clock. We talk to the leading politicians in the country. We go all around the world. We have a bit of a laugh. And we can only do that thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. So subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories
2: of our times.
0: For many children, another school year has been disrupted and opportunities to learn and escape home life, to experience different environments on school trips, have been severely limited. Something Alan is all
1: too aware of. Some of the things that we're dealing with, we were probably already talking about, they've just got more prescient and probably worse. So if you think about it, things like screen time. Screen time doubled, basically, over the space of lockdown. So if young people, on average, are using screens between six and eight hours a day for their recreational use, so watching Netflix or gaming or anything like that, you then add in all of their online lessons and basically they're recently online all day. Two million households went through the pandemic with absolutely zero outdoor space. Of course, we went through that whole period where you weren't allowed to move five miles from your own home. And young people now, and this was the same pre-pandemic, it's just gone worse, is that young people spend, 75% or 80% of young people spend less than an hour a day outdoors a day. So if you think about it, prisoners do spend an hour outside a day compulsorily. (laughs) So our prison population is spending more time outside doing exercise than our young people. And for me, that's something that we're just failing
0: Josh has told us a bit about what happened when he went to Abu Dhabi. And he said the first thing that happened that your lot made him do was get changed into clothes he didn't mind getting wet in, take a jog to the sea, and then everybody, hands joined together, go in the
1: sea. And it's really cold there. So what was the point of all that? Although it sounds horrific, right, if it's January and you're in Eel in Scotland, actually, if you do it, I guarantee you, your adrenaline will be pumping uh, and you're out of your comfort zone from the get-go. It's a start of overcoming your fears. Once you do it, it's a brilliant way to bring people together and get you going. We are about the countryside, lakes and the mountains being the playground in which we work in our classroom. And whatever you do throughout the week, no matter how cocky you are, you'll find one thing that you're scared of. And that's a good thing.
0: So have you seen kids doing an activity where they effectively confront and overcome their fears and worries about something?
1: Every day. You might have some stereotypical kind of views of, of who's going to do well at an hour bank course or not. You might find a quieter member of the group, actually the group over time will realise the skills and attributes that that quieter person may bring to it. They may not run to the top of the mountain. But they may be very supportive to other people who are not doing so well. And i found also some people who are technically athletically very strong, but be very scared, very nervous of heights or very nervous of water. So normally everyone will find their weakness and that vulnerability is quite good for the rest of the group to see.
0: Now, you talked earlier about how Kurt Hahn came over from Germany and, and set a lot of this up, and he also set up Gordonson School, and as you said, Duke of Edinburgh went there, and then later so did Prince Charles. Um, now, Prince Philip was very much associated after that with Outward Bound, wasn't he? But, but actually in, in a very committed
1: way, not just in a kind of I'm the patron of this charity kind of way. Every year, without fail, every August, he would come to the Lake District and visit our centre in Ellswater. And that wasn't for donors and it wasn't for press. It was just him. And uh, he would come and he would go around the centre. He would meet all the young people. Obviously, Kurt Hahn was his mentor. So he had a very personal connection to the organisation.
0: It's allowing people to to develop by, in a sense, both self-discovery and discovery of what goes on in the world. They're trying to give people the opportunity to, to, to discover for themselves what life could be like. It was the Duke of Edinburgh's personal connection with Outward Bound that
1: helped save the charity in a time of need. In the early 90s, Outward Bound was not doing very well financially. The recommendation was that the organisation would close. Anyway, Prince Philip, who is patron, and this is very unusual for patron, decided to go along to the board meeting. He kind of, no confidence, in the board, <laughs> became chairman himself organized a lunch, raised a load of money, and then just became very heavily involved in the day-to-day until it got back on its feet.
0: Essentially, he launched a coup and took over.
1: His, his commitment for our band was, was pretty amazing and he he did a lot for us. Let's talk a bit about the
0: impact it's had upon your parenting, whether it's made a difference to how you have brought your kids
1: up. It definitely has made a big difference, especially during COVID as well. The natural feeling is to wrap them up keep them safe and protect them. And uh, I think that's totally normal. But actually bringing risk into their lives and bringing challenge and adventure is really important. My kids do climb trees and do that kind of stuff. And then we go on the expeditions. I'll try and push them as far as I can in terms of hiking and adventure and canoeing and stuff. I don't think I would have necessarily done that had I not joined Outward Bound, And I wouldn't have quite understood the importance of it.
0: Josh also came away from his course with a new sense of himself but what does he put that down to?
2: I think it's just that realisation of the mental clarity that spending time in the outdoors provides. Ever since I left I mean whenever perhaps I feel quite overwhelmed whether it's academically whether it's stuff going on relating to other things I just try to get outside just allow myself to take in nature whether it's going for a walk or something like that and that's not really something that I'd have always thought to do. Now,
0: I, I believe you're a bit of a poet, aren't you?
2: <laughs> One could say. So I've been doing spoken word poetry from about 14, 15, I'd say.
0: You actually wrote a poem about outward bound?
2: I wrote a poem about the outward bound experience, just having to walk through the bracken and the leaves and the wind being quite challenging at a certain points. Wet feet became common from either jogging dip or walking through marshy terrain. As we submerged under the cold water as a group, the water felt a little bit warmer and the morale a little higher.
0: And how about the
2: human element the friendships made? I've got very fond memories of my instructors. They definitely felt more like mentors than just instructors. Instructors go far beyond leading the expedition, always there to sort of make sure that if there's anything going on, perhaps that you are worried about beyond the outward bound, just feeling like they are someone that you can come to and share that with, and for you to not feel burdened by the bags that you're carrying on your back. That's definitely something that I'm very, very uh, grateful for. At the start of our course, we were introduced to COVID 7 habits, with the second being begin with the end in mind. So today, with the end nigh, I can stand here before you and say this is what we have done and we will continue to do so day in and day out.
0: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times with me, David Aronovich, my guests, Joshua Adeyemi and Outward Bound Director of Fundraising, Alan Bolshova. The producers were Oliver Adamson and Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by David Crackles. Along with the Outward Bound Trust, the Times and the Sunday Times are also supporting the work of two other charities as part of this year's Christmas Appeal, the Refugee Council and the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust. To find out more or to donate, go to thetimes.co.uk slash christmasappeal. If you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, or thoughts on what you've just heard, send us an email to storiesabouttimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.